0: One verse of Scripture in Second Timothy, chapter two and verse three. Second Timothy, chapter two and verse three. Paul, writing to his son in the gospel Timothy, said, "Thou." Therefore, endure your hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to speak from the thought of a good soldier, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not just the soldier, but the word good. It's inserted in there. A lot of soldiers, but he's we're we're singling out good soldiers now. How many of you want to be a good soldier? This verse in uh, a Bible is called the Good News Bible, and it reads in the Good News Bible, Take your part in suffering as a law soldier of Jesus Christ, a soldier on active duty wants to please his commanding officer. Take your part in suffering as a loyal soldier of Jesus Christ. A soldier on active duty wants to please his commanding officer. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. I, uh, I couldn't read this verse of Scripture without remembering this. I had a brother just younger than me. Our family of children in our home were what many people call stair steps and laugh about it. But there was 11 of us, and I was the second child, the oldest son. He was the second, the third child, second to me. I never remember being larger than he was. As long as I can remember, we wore the same size clothes, same size shoes, Not, no trouble wearing one another's clothes. In fact, that's where we had our trouble. World War was declared, and he volunteered and went into the Air Force. When I went to preaching, this is before World War. When I went to preaching in the midst of depression, a lot of you young people don't know nothing about depression. And I, I can mention it to my sons, and they laugh at Dad, oh, that's just something I've dreamed up. But there, I want you young people to know there was one time a depression. Not a recession, a repression. Depression. I mean, brother, I had one old suit of clothes, and he had one old suit. And when I went to preaching, he gave me his old suit. He didn't have any old suit, and I had two old suits. And uh, those things are unforgettable. He went into the service, and I, I drove home one day. I was pastoring in Port Arthur, and we lived home, Dritter was home then. I went to Mother and Dad's, and there was a letter on the dining table open from him. And I knew it was all right for me to read it, and I opened it, and I read it. And in reading the letter, I could tell that Mother had asked him some questions. And he was answering her. And in reading the answer, I could know what the question was. And they owned their little home there in DeRitter. He and his wife went into the service, volunteered. And mother had asked him if he'd had any regrets of volunteering into the service. And he answered her, no, I have no regrets. That's how I knew she asked the question. She said, Do you wish you were back at home? And his answer was, Of course, Mother, I wish I was back at home. And she asked him if he liked the service, and his answer was, I never came into the service with any thought of whether I was going to like it or not duty brought me into it, and yes, Mother, I would like to come home. I would like to come home, but not as long as our red-blooded Americans are on the front lines battling against the enemy of our American way of life. I want to stay right on the battlefield with them. And when they come home, I want to come home. But I don't want to come home and leave them on the field. I dropped that letter and I went to weeping. I thought, thank God for such a brother. And I'm not in Uncle Sam's army, but I'm in an army. I'm in an army. And I'm in it because I volunteered. I'm in it by choice. And I don't want to get out of it. I don't want out. I want to stay right here and fight as long as anybody else is fighting. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He was he was killed in the war. He was killed in the war. And I I take those precious memories along with me through life. Now I'm going to hurry along here, I'll have to, and show you good soldiers in the Bible. Good soldiers in the Bible. And then you could think that's what the Lord considers a good soldier, and then you can try to be one like these good soldiers. Now, back in the book of Judges, Gideon. Had an army of thirty-two thousand soldiers, but I want you to know every one of those soldiers wasn't a good soldier. It would have been wonderful if every one of them would have been considered good soldiers, but there's just a difference in a soldier and a good soldier. And uh, I would, I would advise you. But don't be contented and satisfied with just being a soldier. But strive to be a good soldier. Don't be satisfied with just being a church member. Church membership is one of the worst enemies to Christianity we have, and I, I'm, I'm for church membership. But there's multiplied. Tens of thousands of people with their church on a membership roll, and that satisfies them. You go, you go and talk to them about God, and they'll tell you, I belong to such and such a church. My membership is over there. Well, that membership is not doing them one bit of good in the world unless they're born again saint of God. Praise the Lord. It isn't your membership that's going to take you to heaven. It's your experience, your dedication with God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I want you to know every one of these soldiers in Gideon's army was not a good soldier. In fact, there wasn't too many good soldiers among them. And uh, they were going to battle, and the Lord told Gideon, that if I give you the victory in this battle with this many soldiers, you will take the credit to yourself. You and your army will take the credit to yourself. Let me pause here and say there is no telling what God could do for us as individuals and as a body if we wouldn't say, look what we have done. I, I know evangelists that the, the Lord can't heal nobody that they pray for because they'll say, I prayed for so-and-so, I. And 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 they got to healing. I've even heard them say, I healed them. My, if we could give God all the glory for everything that's done. What would he do among us? Praise the Lord. And so the Lord told Gideon, you tell everyone in this army that's afraid to go back. Now they were soldiers. Soldiers. But 22,000 of that number was afraid. 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 Now, you go back. You that are afraid, you go back. And I wonder if God wants fearful men and women in his army today. That rubs off on somebody else. Praise God. They were soldiers, but they were not good soldiers. Then there's 10,000 left. And the Lord tells Gideon, you bring that 10,000 over here to the water's edge, and, and I'm going to prove them. I'm going to prove them. I'm going to put them to a test myself. You just kind of step back. And sometimes I think we step back and just turn you over to the Lord, and he's going to prove you just like he wants you. I want to pick out of this the number I want. Brother Clinton, Brother Pugh, evangelized for years. Brother Clinton died, the editor-in-chief of our headquarters, with a heart attack. And uh, he told me after he'd evangelized for a number of years and was, was married now and thinking of settling down. He said, I wish I could go back, Brother Glass, to every church I've ever preached in, every one of them, and pick out the saints out of that church that I would like to pastor. He said, I could find a few in every church I've been in. Some jewels, precious, faithful, didn't miss a service of my revival supported the revival with their presence, their prayers. They were in the altar. They were in the prayer room. I wish I could go back and just pick them out everywhere I've been and then take them and go into a city where there isn't a church. Just take them and go into a city where there isn't a church and build me a church and just sit down there and pastor that group of people. And I listened to him, and, and I thought, Brother Clinton, that, that's not bad thinking. That's a, that kind of sounds uh, divine to me, because that's exactly what the Lord's going to do exactly what the Lord's going to do. He's been in every one of our churches, been in every one of them, been through every revival every church has ever had. He's watched the prayer room. He's watched the altar. He knows who's faithful and who isn't. And he knows who he wants with him for eternity and he's going back to that church and just pick out the ones he wants praise the lord and he's going to leave all the disgruntles and gripers and fault finders and those that won't support revival He's going to leave them all sitting there praise god i want to be one he chooses So I've had a lifetime to impress him, walk before him, I've had a lifetime to show him whether I want to be a good soldier, or I'm going to be satisfied just to be a soldier. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Lord told Gideon, Bring that 10,000 men over here to the water's edge. Now, I could preach a long time on water here, but I don't have a long time. And Gideon brought that 10,000 men over to the water's edge. And from what I can find and studying and searching and reading, all I can find, Ten, nine thousand and seven hundred of those soldiers laid their sword down, pulled off their armor, and stretched themselves on the ground and drank water. I've done that. They're not a no country boy nowhere but what has. What's wrong with that? Who can preach against that? Well nobody may not can preach against it, but I tell you what it did. it disqualified him. It disqualified him. Three hundred of them kept their armor on, kept their sword in their hand. You see, they were at war. You've got to time this. And I wish I could preach a long time on this. Time it. Time it. Brother, there's a time for all things. And I preach this wherever I go. When it's time to go to church, it's time to stop everything else. Everything. Everything. 300 of them kept their sword in their hand, their eye on the enemy. And as they waded through that brook, they picked up water in the palm of their hand with their eye on the enemy and licked it off of their hand with their tongue. Good soldier. Good soldier. They were chosen for men of war. And they're not going to pull off their armor and lay their sword down and satisfy a desire of the flesh. Their responsibility, their duty comes first. Good soldiers, good soldiers. I know that I don't care, you know, we declare war when we denounce revivals. You let a pastor get up in his pulpit, announce a revival in the church. He's declared war against the demons of hell in that community. He's declared war. And it's time for every soldier to get their armor on. Praise the Lord. Time for every soldier to get their sword. And be right there, right on the job every night, every night. I'm telling you, folks, I get so—I started to use the word disgusted, but that sounds kind of mean. But I think how unfair we are to the Lord. Our God wants to stir this world. He wants to save everybody in your community, praise God, and when you declare war on Satan, if everybody would get in the harness, get their soldier to the shoulders to the wheel and get into the revival. I'm not talking about going out the first night and, and seeing whether you're going to like the preacher or not. One dear pastor told me he announced a revival and said, the first night of the revival, a couple of families came around to him at the church and said well brother we'll see you when the revival's over we see now we're not going to like the preacher isn't that a is that a good soldier is that a good soldier i say this evangelism in the united pentecostal church is suffering because older saints won't support it we've got it, we've got young evangelists that's a fire. They're burning up. They're far fire inside. If you let the pastor call them into your church for a revival, and them aflame, they're ablaze. They're burning up. They, they got sealed. They want to preach. They want to make a name. If you old saints that get in behind them, praise God and support them, with your prayers, your presence, your finance, you'd have a revival. But instead, you take this attitude, he can't teach me nothing. You haven't been taught too much or you wouldn't say that. You aren't too teachable or you wouldn't say that. You're not a good soldier. You wouldn't say that. I remember one time I was praying for my Sunday night sermon, as all pastors do, seeking God. All the world I could feel was Lazarus and the rich man. And I was pastoring some old saints, a lot of them. Church may have been better off if they would have been translated 10 years ago, I don't know. But anyway, I could just feel their resentment when I announced my subject and me in prayer in the prayer room. I could just feel it. And I'd get up and tell them I'm going to preach on Lazarus and the rich man, why a little school, Sunday school child could come up and tell that story, and them old saints, Me announcing that they've invited some of their friends out to church. Maybe their friends don't know a thing about Lazarus, the rich man. But I can't preach anything but what God gives me. I couldn't get him to give me nothing else. I talked to him about it. I told him, Lord, they're going to turn me off. He don't turn me off, Lord, give me something else. He wouldn't do it. I got up, and I announced my subject, Lazarus and the rich man. And, and I saw some of them glance at one another. But brother, I never knew no more than got through preaching. There was a middle-aged lady, new there. As far as I can remember, the first time she's ever there. She knew somebody over on this side, the building. She come out in the aisle and just pitched that lady her purse, and she came to that altar and in five minutes she had the Holy Ghost speaking her tongue. I preached something she could understand. and. To prove that I was right when I was a praying someone turned me off, two saints come and ask me to forgive them for the thoughts that went through their mind when I announced my subject. Here's our problem. We've got saints in our church 30 and 40 years they've been there listening to preaching. And then we invite sinners out that maybe never has been to church. All right, preacher, hold the attention of both of them. Preach to where that saint that's been here and preaching for 30 years will be interested in what you're saying. You're so high over the head of that sinner, he don't even know what you're talking about. And he won't come back. He won't come back. And if you get down on the level of that sinner and talk and preach a simple message and he can understand, that it, it's so elementary to that old saint, they won't come back. Now, how, how are you going to hold them both? I tell you how you ought to hold them. You all saints ought to be good soldiers. You ought to get into the battle. You ought to get into it with the evangelists. Got I got some meat here this morning because some of you are not even getting into this preaching. That shows me you don't get into it at home. You don't agree with me here. I might I might add here, you you're just in The big number, you haven't been chosen out yet. Not a one of us have got what we started for yet. I have not obtained what I started out to obtain. I didn't start out to preach 50 years. I didn't start out to preach in a camp meeting. I started out for heaven. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. You're there. be seated. God bless your heart. Now, I could, I could have announced this subject and then just preached on what I think is a good soldier. But I want to take Bible soldiers, men in the Bible that prove themselves to be soldiers accepted of the Lord. That's what I'm after, is to be accepted of the Lord. Well these three hundred were the good soldiers of ah, thirty-two thousand soldiers. They proved to be the chosen of God. And the Lord took them and won the battle. You know you know, the Lord is we we're after numbers and I'm not I'm not against numbers. Brother, I all oh, every Sunday school I ever pastored I tried to get another one to come. I'd tell the Saints, get them in under the influence of the Gospel. we got a chance to reach them. Bring them, bring them, bring them. But God is actually after quality. Quality. He'd rather have 300 that he could depend on, that keep their eye on the enemy and their hand on the sword, is to have 32,000 he didn't know. Now let me go to another great soldier. Great soldier. Oh, I wish I if I could find a church full like this uh, soldier, I believe I'd pastor another church. <laughs> I believe I would have tried if I could. This is one of the most law men I ever read of in the Word of God. And I have reported figuring I ever knew of a person to do. But you don't figure around God. I don't care how keen you are. So he he decided, "I'll, I'll send Joab word to send you right home and give me a report of how the battle goes. And then I'll give you uh, a few days furlough and let him go home and stay with his wife and he'll think the child is his. Nobody will ever know the difference. That's a pretty keen figure. But he's got up against a good soldier. Now he's dealing with a real law soldier now. And he, he may not know it, but it comes out. So Joab sends Uriah home, and he reports how the battles are going. And then David gives him some meat and tells him to go home and enjoy a few days' furlough before he goes back to the battlefield. And he thought everything's going to be taken care of. But to his disappointment and surprise, Uri slept in the courts of the palace. Next morning when David came to the courts and found out that Uriah had slept in the courts of the palace and hadn't gone home to Bathsheba, he calls him in and wants to know why. Why didn't you go home to Bathsheba? And this law soldier said, how can I go home to my wife? As long as my brethren or my comrades are on the battlefield, as long as my pastor is out there leading that army against the enemy, how can I go home and enjoy my home, enjoy How can I? How can I? Say, folks, remember this. The next time your church is in a revival and you think about staying home, think of Uriah. How can I stay home when my church is in a revival? My pastor's out there trying to lead the army against the demons of hell. How can I stay home? No, I can't stay home. No, 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 no. minutes in this whole camp meeting, let me tell you this, I'm afraid, I'm afraid I cross the country north, south, east, and west. I'm afraid we've got people that think they're ready for the rapture, that can stay home and listen to the radio and even watch television while their church is in a revival, and they think they're ready for the rapture. you, folks, you're not in the rapture yet. You're not in it. If I'd go to the second chapter of Esther and use the same expression as you there, I would say you're just in the house of the women, in the house that Esther was in, where there was multiplied hundreds of others there, but It's yet to be known who's going to be chosen queen. She's just in the house of preparation. That's where you are, in the house of preparation, in the house of being perfected. God's perfecting his church. He's going to call out from among them the ones he wants. I sometimes, I sometimes say to, to, to the church that I preach in, and uh, in, in, in when I pastored, when I pastored, and in, when I'm a preaching now, I just preach two or three nights here and there, I, I just wonder, I wonder, if you don't have a reason, you never have an excuse. You never have an excuse. Excuses aren't accepted of God. They may sound reasonable and good to you, but you are inexcusable. Amen. If you don't have a reason, you don't have anything. And I sometimes wonder, I just sometimes wonder, if the rapture would take place while we're in service, and then I've always thought of Stand to Slim Change, But I just kind of hope I'm preaching my heart out the moment my feet leaves (laughs) the floor. But just saying such a slim chance, such a slim chance. But if your church was in service and the rapture take place and you over there at home in the bed asleep, nothing wrong with you, just too lazy to go to church. No desire to go. That lack of a desire to go affects you and your relationship with God. Did you hear me? That lack of a desire to go to the house of God affects you and your relationship with God. And if your desire was strong enough, you'd make arrangements to go. you go everywhere else you want to go bad enough. decided he's going to try something else on Uriah. He's going to honor him. Boy, he's going to bestow some great honor on him. Come on in, David, or Uriah, and let's drink some of my best wine. I'll get him intoxicated. I'll get him under the influence of drink and he'll lose that patriotism he'll lose that thought of i can't go home and my pastor and my brethren out there in war joab was his leader i just referred to him as pastor because i know what it is to try to pull a church through a revival with half the saints dragging their feet been that too many times So David got Uriah intoxicated. He thought to the extent that he'd lose his sincerity and his patriotism and his loyalty. But he must not have given him enough to drink, or it didn't affect him. Don't let the things of this world affect you to the extent that it can interfere. So David stepped in the courts of the palace again. And when David found it out the next morning, he calls him back in and questions him again. And he gave him the same answer. I just can't do it, King David. My brethren, my fellow soldiers are in war. My leader, Joab, is out there on the front lines in war. And me go home to my wife. No, I can't do it. What a soldier. 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 How many of you like to be a soldier like that? You can. You can not hard it's easy not hard to be a soldier like that just be faithful just go don't let nothing stop you from going Praise God praise God praise God I want you folks to listen to me I'm gonna talk real fast and tell this I went to one church one time and I preached the first night of that revival placing first things first. And I preach to them as if they never had done it. And really they hadn't. And very few of you have ever put God first in your life. He's never been able to interfere with your private life. Now he keeps you out of the theater and out of the bar room, now the dance hall. But whenever he begins to touch in your private life, now, whenever he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, you ought to read the verses preceding that. Take no thought what ye shall eat. Take no thought what ye shall drink. Take no thought what you shall wear. Now, he can't interfere with your eating and drinking and wearing and resting. He's interfered with your worldly, but he's still not first. He wants to be a first in everything. said, if this church will revolutionize your life, reschedule your life, reschedule it, every one of you, for one month, I guarantee you we'll have a revival. Just reschedule your life for one month. They thought they were putting God first. And thank God they took me up on it. They took me up on it. One businessman is opening a new business. wasn't even able to hire a clerk. He opened a new, a second-hand furniture store, 40 miles to another town, and he purposed, "I'm going to close that up, lock the door, in time to get home and get ready and get to ever service for one solid month. Didn't take a night off. The month is over. I asked him. I said." How was your business this month, said, the best month I ever had. And they were putting God first, right in the middle of that revival. Please listen to me. I'm going to try to hurry. Right in the big middle of that revival, one Sunday night, a handsome young man walked in and sat down on the back seat, handsome, dressed well. I gave the altar, call down to the altar. He came for the first time. Sought God till after 11 o'clock and never received the Holy Ghost. Monday night he was back, and if I thought he was dressed up Sunday night, brother, I'd just wait till Monday night and take a look at him. And on his arm is a beautiful, well-dressed bride, just married an hour and a half ago. Nobody knew it till he came in, he was not known. Word got to the pulpit that that couple had just married. Brother Welsh asked him from the pulpit, is it true that you just married? They said, yes. He dedicated them a song. That he had got a new car parked out on the parking lot. 999 out of 1,000. 999,000 out of a million that had been in that new car headed on a wedding trip. But there was such a putting God first in that church until it got in the atmosphere. Wait a minute, let me finish, let me finish. And I sometimes tell people, if you won't do this, don't shout about it. You shout about a lot of things you don't practice. Don't shout about it if you won't do it. He sat there through that Monday night service, and when I gave the altar call with that wedding suit on down to that altar, he came and left his bride on the back seat, and he sought God. nearly midnight he was slain flat on his back that young bride in her go-away gown on waiting back there he never received the holy ghost tuesday night they came back and both of them received the holy ghost and talked in tongues and was baptized in jesus name the end of the story. Before that revival is over 19 of his relatives had received the Holy Ghost. His mother, his brother, his brother's wife, his cousins, 19 relatives received the Holy Ghost. They said this, any religion that can interfere with his honeymoon has got to be something to it. before that revival is over 101 received the Holy Ghost 101 went back the next year and 78 more received it I'll tell you it's unfair to us to announce a revival and then put everything ahead of God if we'll announce a revival and put God first we'll have a revival we'll have a revival the world will stop laughing at us I'm preaching on good soldier. Now, this won't take me but a moment if you'll just let me have it. I, feel, I, I know you feel like i i feel like I could jump up here and touch the top of that wall. I read this, I read this, and in, I wrote an article in 1935, and it's uh, in the paper, and it's going to be over here in the Heritage Building. I'm going to get it for I have it at home. I longed to be a soldier. Before I was ever saved, I tried to enlist in every branch of the service. But uh, pressing times and doors closed. Finally, I got a card from the Navy recruiting office that there was an opening. And I went, and I was turned down on color blindness. I understand now they accept them, color blindness, but then they wouldn't. Well, now, I don't think I can't tell a green light from a red light. Now, no. <laughs> but I did go to town one time to buy a brown hat and came back with a green one. Those shades get me. They get me. But our deep colors, I got them. Well, I long to be a soldier, so this, what I'm fixing to tell now, really will stay in my mind. I read when at war, there was a man with what you would call a regiment or a troop or a group. He was maybe lieutenant or captain over this group. And they were on the front lines. And there was some, the enemy had some machinery right over the hill here, and they were destroying, doing a lot of destruction among our our troops. And this, this head of this regiment, he called his men together. He said, I've got a suicide trip for one of you. I, I, I want you to over there to whatever that was I'm not military enough to know but anyway with his life he could destroy and he said you've been a good group of men good group of soldiers and I've got the authority to just point any one of you out but I won't do that I want you to line up make a straight line here make a straight line they lined up every one of them in in attention and heart He said, Now, I'm going to turn my back, and I'm going to count ten. And when I turn around, I want one of you to have made one step forward, and I'll know who's willing to go. They lined up, and he turned his back and counted ten and turned around, still a straight line, just as straight as it was. He dropped his head in disappointment, and he he started to say something, and one of them spoke up and said, Sir, Sir, don't be disappointed. Don't be disappointed. We've all
1: stepped forward.
0: Good soldier good soldier keep that straight line and all step together. Praise the Lord! Go ahead! Everybody go, everybody go home, run home. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus.